Welcome into Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Android or Apple. You can also find us on Dash Radio. Our time has moved on the Nothing But Net channel. We're now every day, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. I also have a new show on OnsideRadio.com. That's at 10 a.m. You can Again, you can find that on OnsideRadio.com. Dot com or on any of the podcast apps. And I cover more than just the Miami Heat, but also the Dolphins, the Hurricanes, and all the other teams in town. And of course, yes, fivereasonsports.com, the site that covers all the South Florida teams without a paywall. Also check out the great sponsors in the Five Reasons Sports Network. Actually, this guy just appeared with us recently. He's Eric Brown. You can find him at fivereasonsrealtor.com. That's right, fivereasonsrealtor.com. Did you know that now is the best time to sell a house in South Florida as prices are at record levels. Your property is probably worth more than you realize. If you're interested in finding out how much, let me recommend you consult with Eric Brown at fivereasonsrealtor.com, the official real estate advisor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Eric is a real estate professional with several years of experience representing clients from all walks of life. With a Wharton School business education, he's uniquely qualified at identifying property value, negotiating on your behalf, and providing an unmatched level of service. So if you're considering selling or buying a home in South Florida or just want to chat about heat basketball and or real estate, contact Eric at 305-967-9. That's 305-967-9089 or go to fivereasonsrealtor.com. If he can't help you, he'll recommend someone who can. So find out what his specialized professional business approach can do for you. Again, that's our friend. He hosts our value play segment here. Eric Brown at fivereasonsrealtor.com, the official real estate advisor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Here is today's floor plan. We're going to have the opportunity to speak to Bernie Lee, the agent For Jimmy Butler, of course, Jimmy Butler coming off the incredible NBA Finals. Heat camp restarted this week. It's hard to believe if you want to check out uh, the latest uh, from Tyler Hero, Casey Akpala, also Precious Achua, the rookie, and also Kendrick Nunn. Their Zoom calls, they're all on our YouTube channel, so make sure you check that out. The Heat are making two players available a day. But we actually have Bernie on. I've been trying to get Bernie on for months, for months. I tried during the NBA Finals when I ran into him after a game and that we were like, we were in the outer bubble, right? Bernie, we weren't like in the inner bubble. We were in the outer bubble with all the heat executives. Call it the uh, baby bubble. <laughs> baby, baby bubble. The bootleg bubble. It was the bootleg bubble at the Waldorf Astoria up, up in Orlando. Is it this big, you know, nice luxury resort hotel that had like a hundred people in it. And, and that's basically what we had because nobody was really left by the time uh, that the finals were there. And so we obviously had the heat and the Lakers. And so you'd run into heat executives, etc., Alonzo, others, and Bernie. And I've been trying to get Bernie to do this for a long time. We finally have a news event that I thought was a trigger to this. So let's get right to it. Um, Jimmy Butler, you know, came to Miami in part because, and we're going to talk about all the reasons for it, but in part a relationship, obviously with Dwayne Wade, the trust in Dwayne Wade and the organization, but also Dwayne went out on his own years ago, left the Nike brand, went out and got himself a sponsorship with leaning. He was the signature athlete for the brand. And now Jimmy Butler is a signature athlete for the brand. How did that come together? And, and kind of why did you seek that out for Jimmy? You know, it's it's interesting. First, you know, thank you so much for having me on, Ethan. I uh, it's been uh, probably I don't even know how to line up the timelines now, but I feel like it's been a year and a half since the last season started. So, um, in a year and a half of, of getting to know you, I've, I've definitely wanted to do this. So, thank you for having me. Um, the background of leaning is kind of interesting. So, in two thousand and five, two thousand and six, I want to say, um, I had an American client that was coaching in China. Um, and he went over and he coached uh, Yao Ming's team in Shanghai. Um, and uh, his first year there, he went over, he had a bunch of success and, and did really well. And like 12 months later, he ends up uh, being named the Chinese national team head coach. Um, and uh, it kind of came up out of, out of, really out of nowhere. 
Um, and through that experience, it just, it, it <clears throat> opened up like all these, you know, Chinese like kind of possibilities um, at the time it was leading into the London Olympics. Um, so one of the things around that time that I met were the people that ran uh, Li Ning and they were kind of starting in basketball. Um, and they, uh, I think at the time their major endorsers were Baron Davis and uh, I want to say Evan Turner were like the, the two like big guys that they were like, and uh, Jose Caldron were the three guys that they were kind of behind. Um, and in the conversations that I started having with them, uh, like I actually, I, I have to be one of like the few North American based agents that I actually went to their campus um, in, uh, it's outside of Beijing. Like, and I remember I had really like not great expectations for it, didn't know what I was kind of getting myself into. I go to this campus and it's like the Nike campus. It just happens to be in Beijing. Like it was really like kind of interesting, right? Um, so I go there and I, I started doing some consulting work for them. Um, so I was kind of like my, it literally probably outside of the job that I have now, it's probably the best job that I'll ever have. Um, and then my job was like to suggest people uh, to them to, to sign as they were trying to grow like their basketball business. And I, I remember like, I would throw uh, names at them where I was thinking like three or four moves down the, the, the way, right? So I remember one of the guys that I ended up like suggesting to them uh, was Kyrie Irving as he started at Duke. And I was like, hey, I think you should think about this guy kind of thing. They were more of a mindset at the time of like, we have to do something that's gonna be impactful like tomorrow. And the one name that they kept saying to me was D-Wade that, that you guys, that you just brought up. And I remember at the time, like he was a really, uh, he was a, a brand Jordan endorser. Um, and I just didn't like, I made the assumption and I actually learned a lesson from this because I made the assumption without asking the question that it would probably be hard uh, to get him to entertain, um, you know, leaving brand Jordan to, uh, to essentially join like a startup at that time. So I would try and like steer them in another direction, no matter how, what names that, you know, I suggested to them or, you know, how much sense I, I thought it made or whatever, they always came back to one name. Like every, we would do these meetings and conference calls and I could talk for an hour and they would end the call by being like, well, yeah, no, that's all great, but how about D-Wade? <laughs> and it, it happened like this for like 10 months. And it finally got to a point where um, they, I had to figure out a way to get them to, to move on. So I remember they said to me, um, can you just find us find out for us the amount of money that it would take to sign D-Wade? And this is after me giving them like a hundred different proposals, right? So in my head, I tried to invent a number that I thought would make them be like, oh, okay, we'll think about your other ideas. So I came up with, uh, and it's been so long that I, I, can't, um, I can't remember the number. But uh, I'm winking here. Um, yeah, <laughs> you remember I, the number. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I said the number to them thinking like, okay, we're never gonna have to talk about this again. And they literally said to me, so do you think we could get a meeting then? <laughs> what? Like, it's like the most incredible thing, right? So this was, I guess that would have been maybe like 2013, 2012, something like that. So I've had this example of that company in my head and like from working with these people and you know, I, I met the um, founder of the company, like his story is really awesome. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was an Olympian uh, for China and like just, I just saw the background of it. So it's funny how like in some ways, you know, basketball life business kind of repeats itself. Uh, when we found ourselves in the situation that we were uh, with Jimmy as he's kind of, you know, going through um, a transition from, from leaving the last um, brand partner he had for shoes uh, you know, it was one of the first kind of conversations that I had in mind. Um, you know, the time that we started doing this was like a totally different world. Like this was in February of uh, 2020. So we started having the conversations and, and had meetings set with, you know, different people and things like that. And a month later, like the world stops. Um, so if like I went from thinking like, um, you know, this was like the greatest time opportunity uh, to really... Um, uh, you know, take the, this, the, the client that I work with and, and, you know, negotiate this really awesome, you know, apparel and, and brand partnership deal. And everybody would think I was super smart and yada, yada, yada. It would be so easy. Uh, and then literally like a month later, like 
that side of like the business and world didn't exist. Um, so during the course of like the quarantine and pandemic, obviously the conversations were like a little bit different. Uh, and then thankfully, you know, the way uh, Jimmy always does, um, he bailed us out with just how awesome he is. And it took him having one of the best, um, you know, individual performances in the history of the NBA in the finals to uh, really kind of um, put some like gasoline on the fire of his uh, brand partnerships conversation. So I get to slide back in and I guess look somewhat intelligent again. So that's kind of how that came together. Uh, when we're, you know, I'm, I'm really, really, really excited about it. I think they're gonna be an awesome partner for, for him. I think he's gonna be an awesome partner for them. I think it's a really cool time uh, for the NBAs. They rebuild the relationship with China. I think he's the perfect person to be at kind of the forefront of that. Like I kind of learned with the China model um, you know, in comparison to like, I remember seeing like the, the amount of like admiration um, and infatuation like the Chinese market had with Kobe Bryant. Um, at the time that I started first like going to China, I remember asking like a marketing expert, like where it kind of came from. Cause he was like, Kobe Bryant was, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, uh, Allen Iverson, like combined into one person for like the Chinese consumers. And I remember asking the question, um, you know, what is it about uh, Kobe that really kind of um, resonates with, with the Chinese fan base um, at such a high, high level? And what they told me was uh, the Chinese uh, fan base really connected with Kobe because they felt like um, based on like how hard he worked, um, the things that he was able to achieve came through hard work, not necessarily through just solely like a God-given talent that would be in some ways unattainable. So as a, as a fan base, like they really gravitated toward the player that uh, they felt really kind of got everything out of whatever it was that they were given. Um, and, you know, not comparing him or anything like that, but I think if you look at this generation of kind of NBA players, <clears throat> um, you know, Jimmy's that guy. Like Jimmy's the guy that you can really kind of point your finger at and say like, you know, the things that he has, he, he definitely had to work pretty hard for. So I, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a really good partnership for him. Well, I mean, we're talking about the leaning thing, but during the finals, we saw a lot of uh, Michelob commercials <laughs> with Jimmy, and I think people really enjoyed them. And it started, you got to see a little bit more of his personality, some of the things that, as Heat fans, we've gotten to get to know a little bit while, while he's been down here. And it's funny because I remember he was in a movie <laughs> a while back called Office Christmas Party. <laughs> and, like, there was so much personality there, and, it, like, he just disappeared from that kind of, from that side of the media scene. And then now he's doing these Michelob commercials and you kind of see his funny side and it kind of, it kind of juxtaposes against the menacing, you know, you know, the guy who's getting in the, you know, altercations with TJ Warren on the court. How did the Michelob thing come around and, and how do, how have people responded to that? Yeah. You know, I, th I think for, for um, Jimmy, like it's, it's, it's a really cool, um, it's a really cool avenue and outlet to kind of be able to show that creativity, that creative side, and, and just like his sense of humor, um, kind of like in his own way and on his own, his own terms. So he has a, he has a brand partner, um, Daryl Campbell, uh, or sorry, a content partner, Daryl Campbell, that runs like his YouTube and things like that. And like, they, um, I've, I've seen like with Jimmy, like if any of us that know him and spend any time around him, um, like it, it's that's what we see every day like I, I that exact commercial i think literally um took less than 25 minutes for them to kind of film it was like a one really and it was yeah <laughs> it was the concept was something that um you know jimmy and uh and daryl came up with um and yeah they filmed it in 20 minutes <laughs> and it's it's him like it's it, it, it like we could have filmed it like with our phone any of the other nine days before that he did that. It just happened to be that day. Maybe he was packing, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it, it feels like Jimmy being Jimmy after being in the locker room with him like this, that's just, that's the kind of guy he is. He's constantly playful, constantly yeah. messing with the other guys. It's, it's, I think it's, it's cool to see that because um, from the, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves stories and different things, I think, the the you know the national fan, fan NBA fans nationally got a different perspective on who Jimmy was, and it's kind of nice to see that he's able to show his other side, and and, and the Michelob commercial does that. Yeah, no, I, I think you know you guys um, and, and Ethan, you being around the team on a day to day basis, like 
you guys kind of get to see what behind the curtain looks like. Um, and I think anybody that's like, you know, ever played with him on a team or anything, you know, all the stories or whatever you hear, um, you'd be really hard pressed to find somebody that's played with him that, that would have, you know, something, um, something negative to say, you know, like, it's just, it's authentically him. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's just how he is on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. And anybody that's spent any time with, uh, around him in any way can definitely attest to that. All right, we're going to cycle back in a second to kind of how he got here. And I want to tell that story a little bit. But before we do, I got one question to ask you. Jimmy has become the meme king. It was Chris Bosch for a little bit, but that was sort of early age Twitter where it was, you know, <laughs> Bosch with it, you know, Bosch with the video bombs and that kind of stuff and the faces and all that. But now you got Jimmy, you know, crumpling up the paper. You've got Jimmy to TJ Ward. You got what is your favorite? What is you only can pick one. You can only have one child in this case. I know you have more than that. You can only have <laughs> one child. What is your favorite Jimmy meme? Oh man, that's yeah, no, it, it's interesting you use that analogy because like literally, if I can find the person, if there if there's like a digital brand sponsorship, uh, sponsored content person out there that can show me how to monetize memes. Like just, just get in touch with Ethan. He'll give you like my home phone number, my beeper, my cell, my like the cell phone of, or the uh, pay phone in front of my house. Like, please like reach me, right? Because if we could figure out a way to monetize those things, like everything else would be secondary. But um, I'm really partial to, uh, I'm trying to think, of, yeah. I'm really partial to the one that came up in Minnesota when he was uh, doing scheduled rest days. And uh, Tibbs was in a press conference and they asked him uh, if Jimmy was playing. He said, no, he wasn't. And they, they said, what was the reason that he was out? And, and Tibbs, like just off top of his head, said general soreness. So then all the memes that came out were him dressed like a Civil War general with, uh, they called it general soreness. <laughs> that one, yeah, that, that one got me. <laughs> yeah. the, the best part about the memes, though, like I've, I've learned is like, I, I envision like the people creating these things, right? So like the internet's like an amazing place, like completely, totally undefeated, right? So I pictured like these people like making these things. And when they make them, one, it's like, you're trying to make a, a joke with a, like a, a mass amount of people and hope it really resonates. But I also envision that there's a part of them that when they're making it the meme of a person, they really want that person to see it. So in the back of their head, like, oh, I wonder if, if Jimmy's ever gonna see it. So I'm here to tell you, that every time I see one of these good ones, I send it to him so fast <laughs> because I just, I just picture that person that just toiled away with like their Mac card or however the hell you guys do oh, these. There's things. gonna be more now, Bertie. There's oh, gonna be man. more now that you give it this away. All right, so so this leads to the last question. I really want to get to the heat stuff, but I got one more question. Which is his favorite? He I should have asked your favorite. No, he he doesn't like he he he's not an attention person. You know what I mean? So anything that like drives. Uh, uh attention in that way um it, it's not it's not for him it, it definitely is for me though so keep doing it like i'm, I'm good with it but let him know that heat twitter's favorite is when he's he mouths an expletive uh, <laughs> <laughs> to the opposing bench isn't that all of them I mean <laughs> no, no no there's one that's specific so you mean two um, times a year or <laughs> no there's there's one that is specific that, that we as uh, as heat fans use to reply to anybody who you know who slanders <laughs> the heat or jimmy butler and it's he's pointing and he's mouthing an expletive and it's pretty popular it re it's replaced the canby gif i don't know if you guys know the canby gif yeah, yeah canby's yeah, yeah. a great one but it really should yeah. be a it really should be a jimmy all right so that's all right so he sees all of them get your memes ready when we come back after a word from Safe Cubbies, we're going to get into how Jimmy got here. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. I first want to tell you about one of our most important sponsors. We've talked about them a lot, but now they've got new offerings. And as you know, COVID-19 is not gone. So you've got to make your environment, whether it's your school, you want to tell your administrator, whether it might be your business, maybe you are the boss, maybe you want to tell the boss, or whether it's a residence, you want to make the place safe. So you got to check out safecubbies.com. Calm. They've got custom sneeze guards and shields, and also they stock sneeze guards and shields. They do office partitions. Again, they work with restaurants, businesses, schools, and more. They do floor decals for the social distancing. They do the PPE and COVID signage. They also can put in the touch-free sanitizer stands with or without the branding, and they do branded face masks as well. And Safe Cubbies will come out and perform a, safe sur a site survey to provide a free estimate for you. 
And of course, they will do the installation. So reach out to them, mention five reasons. We've had many, many people who followed us. They've gone to them. They've been very, very satisfied. So check out safecubbies.com for all of your safety needs during the pandemic. All right, right back on five on the floor. Now, this was not like the typical kind of trade that a player is traded and just finds out about it. It's not a typical free agency where a player is courted and he ends up here. This thing took more than a year for Jimmy to come down here. So Bernie, as best as you can tell us, when is it that Jimmy Butler decided that he might want to be a member of the Miami heat? And then I'm going to ask you a little bit about how it ended up happening at the end. To be totally honest with you, like the, uh, um, he, he's the only one really that could answer that, you know, like he has a way of taking in the information and not being in a rush to respond to the information. So it doesn't become like a debate situation. Uh, and he'll take in a mass amount of, uh, of information, um, kind of make his decision and then pick the time at which he's going to reveal to either those of us that are like really close to him or the world in general, what his decision is. Uh, and I would tell you, like, I, I was, uh, kind of a part of that. I could tell like when we came to do the, the, the meeting um, in, in Miami, um, maybe like five to 10 minutes in, into the meeting, like they, it just, I could just tell as like an outsider, like these are the people that he was always meant to work with just from how like they spoke and they dealt with each other and, and just the, there was like a complete and total alignment. But, you know, in, in the same respect, like, I, it's it's totally like looking backwards now, but there were three to four other meetings that were scheduled like right after that. You know, I didn't know, you know, during the course of coming in and doing that meeting that we weren't going to have to do any of those other meetings. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think about it now sometimes and look back and guess, and I think he probably, you know, he probably knew before he told the world because that's maybe a little bit how he operates. But for the most part, like I wouldn't have been able to tell you for sure until I heard him say it in the room when my head was turned to Pat and Spo how they've told the story. So yeah, I, I would tell you then is, is when I knew for sure. How much do you think Dwayne had to do with his decision? You know, I, I think uh, Dwayne, like any player that's in the NBA, um, if you want to... If you, if you just want to be a student of things and you just want to pay attention, he's a template of, um, he's a template you can follow, you know, like he, he's a guy that, um, came into the NBA, worked really, really, really hard, um, earned some personal success and then realized that the sustainable way, um, to having team success would maybe being a part of a group as opposed to having it just be about him. You know, he's probably a guy, like if he wanted to win scoring titles, he probably could have won after that Dallas series. He probably could have won the next, you know, six, seven, if, if his only goal in life would have been to score a bunch of points or anything like that, but kind of made a choice like winning championships is kind of what it was about. Um, so I think if you're like a young NBA player and you have the opportunity to like be around him or look at him in any way. And he also like, from what I've picked up in the conversations that I've had with him, like, he's just, he's just a really good human being. You know what I mean? Like he's just such a good um, the, the one really cool thing that I've learned about really high level, like NBA guys that always astounds me is, um, there's a big piece of them of like, they don't live in competition to anybody else. So because they don't live in competition to other people, it means like they don't like hate on them in any way. It's like, you just want to try and help everybody be as great as you are. Right. And I would think like what I've picked up from uh, ever being around D-Wade, like that's like the fundamental thing that I've, I've really appreciated about it. So I think when uh, D-Wade came to Chicago, Jimmy had an opportunity to just kind of observe him every single day. And he'd only known one thing in the NBA, which was Chicago, because that was the team that had drafted him. Um, and I just think through the course of that year, that kind of mentorship just kind of, you know, planted a seed in his mind of one, like what's a living example look like and two, like what's the broader NBA look like as well, because you have this person that's able to describe it. That's achieved everything and more that you could ever dream of doing in the NBA. All right. I'm going to ask you the, the most difficult question here because he wanted to be here. It was clear he wanted to be here, but just because you want to be somewhere, particularly when a team has no cap space, <laughs> it's not something that necessarily can happen. 
right? Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about how close this was to not happening? I mean, I'm I'm just gonna answer the question in like a really like succinct way. And I'm gonna mention a person's name that will probably like be really angry at it because he hates like credit and people knowing him. Uh, that's Andy Ellsberg, right? Like I, I remember like, as we did the prep uh, for uh, the meeting with Miami, you know, there's the things on the surface that everybody knows, right? Like, you know, um, this is an organization with a winning history. You know who, for the most part, uh, Spo is as a coach from having competed against him. Everybody knows who Pat Riley is that spent any time around the NBA. You know everything you would ever need to know about the city, about the fan base, all those things. I think the one thing that you dig into, um, like the fabric of the heat. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's it's Andy, right? And I said to, I remember saying to Jimmy, like as we were going to the meeting, um, whatever conversations that they have with you, no matter how it seems like on paper today, uh, the way the spreadsheet looks, the way their salary cap situation is, whatever it is, whatever they're telling you that they'll work to uh, achieve to do both for you and around you, um, they're, they're one team in the NBA that is going to do it because they have Andy and, and Andy has a, an ability to do the things that nobody else really even sees. So I, I would tell you, no, I, I was never, once um, Jimmy made the decision and then it gets into Andy's hands to figure it out, I, I think like everybody that's been associated with the Heat and people, people that work uh, with the Heat, like once you give it to Andy, you know it's going to be okay. You just wait for the next call to tell you it's done. Even when Mark Cuban and the Heat can't get on the same page about the Gord Dragic, I don't remember that being being a part of that. I know that was, but I, I never I never heard that part of the conversation. You know something I don't. <laughs> oh, that's a good political answer. You should stay up in Canada, man. Spend some time with Trudeau, because I mean I know that thing almost fell apart a few times, and I know Andy doesn't like the credit, and uh, and I get that, but obviously Andy deserves a lot of it, and a lot of the things that we talk about uh, are because of Andy. So, so let's get to the start of this. So then he comes here to training camp. Um, and from the very beginning, and I remember asking him a question pretty early on. Well, first I remember West Palm beach, um, and he was up there and he just seemed happy, right? He seemed happy from the very beginning. And I know the three thirty workouts and all the rest of this stuff, but it appeared that he liked his teammates. I remember him congregating with a bunch of fans at Kaiser University and the videos and the photos. And I will tell you, Bernie, as someone who hadn't covered him, uh, it was a little surprising to me because I had heard the stories too through the media, through other sources. And so to actually witness him being so sort of hands-on with people and happy, it did surprise me. And then I remember asking him when we got back to Miami, you know, why he was happy here in Miami. And he said, because I can be me. Um, was he communicating that with you from the very beginning at the start of camp that, wow, this is as good as I thought it would be? Yeah, no, I, I think for him, it was just um, everything that the, the heat does is consistent. You know, everything that they say, um, it, it follows through and every person kind of mimics the, the person kind of before them. And it's just like, I, I, I remember saying to him so many times as we were trying to like, you know, have conversations about different NBA opportunities and things like that saying to him so many times, like, you know, uh, I'm of the belief that there's no utopia in the NBA. Like every, every group has its, has its issues and problems and everything like that. And I, I say often like, and then he came to Miami, you know, like it's, I, I don't know that I would um, put that hex on them and say like, it's a utopia, but it's the closest that I've ever seen. Um, and I, I would say that, uh, all those like kind of feelings of like just being around like-minded people in an environment that really was created to not only allow him to have success, but everybody that's there, you know, it's like one of those places that just every, everybody that is, is a part of the group is incrementally better. It's just made incrementally better by the power of the collective. 
um, it just became like really evident, you know, every single day. And I think for him in some ways, like, you know, he powered through um, some different like situations in the NBA, different environments and things like that. And it would be like, sometimes I equate it to that thought of like, you know, if when you were a kid, it, 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 when you were a kid, you weren't in total control and power of like your own self and your own life. If you ever had a situation where, say, you have an older brother or you know younger sibling or something like that, you do some something happens, and your parents come in and say, "Who who did this?" and you tell them exactly what happened, but they look at you and they say, "No, you're lying." But you know you're not lying, but you get painted with that brush of um, you know having to debate something that you know to be true, and it's a really kind of frustrating situation. I think for um, Jimmy, it's kind of a mimic of that situation, but in its adult form in that he, as he navigated those other situations, it was just a conversation about, he, he knew exactly and precisely what it was that he was looking for. He just hadn't been able to find it yet. And because it repeatedly had come up at a couple of different times to where um, he had to point out and be like, nope, this isn't it. Nope, this isn't it. I think a part of it maybe started to wonder like, um, you know, that you get painted with that brush, like maybe you're validating against, you know, somebody when, again, when you're a kid, it's powerless from them being like, nope, you're lying, you know? And for when he got to Miami, he was like, he was able to look around and be like, see, I wasn't lying, <laughs> you know? Like it, right. it's just, you gotta, you gotta give him that credit because he, he wasn't. <laughs> We're going to go through some of those personalities in a second, because I want to get into his relationships with various people in the Heat organization from Spo to BAM and on. But before we do, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can find them at btrpay.com. That's btrpay.com. The phone number is 954-953-8895. Again, that's 954 here in Broward, 953-8895. This is where you want to go if you've got a new business. Your business will be eligible for funding in six to 12 months. You don't need many documents, just a few months of merchant account statements, business bank statements, avoided business check, and a driver's license. And you can get funding in as little as 24 to 48 hours. They run a soft credit poll, which does not impact your credit score. It's absolutely free to apply. There's no collateral required. And you can request anywhere from $5,000 to $500,000 for new hire, payroll, moving and remodeling, equipment and inventory, bills and utility, and marketing. And here's the best part. If you mention five reasons, $100 of that loan, you don't need to pay it back. That's right. Mention five reasons, $100 of your loan. You do not need to pay it back. Again, it's btrpay.com. The phone number 954-953-8895. All right. Back here with Bernie Lee, the agent for Jimmy Butler. We're going to go through some, some personalities on the heat. And you just sort of give your sense of how the relationships came together. I want to start with Eric Spolstra. Why did they connect? Uh, you know, again, this would be like, this is me as an outsider, kind of like adding my two cents. And I don't want to speak for any other two people. But if you look at them from my standpoint, uh, two versions of like kind of the same person, you know what I mean? Like insanely competitive, uh, really, really, really brutally honest and highly observant of, of the people that are around them uh, and just really consistent, you know, and like, I think... Spo in, in so many ways is like one of those people where like in life, if you're, if you're the person to be like, put your hand up and say you had a problem with him, you're probably the issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's just, he's just that kind of guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, I, I think they're, they're just so aligned and similar in so many different ways that they've identified that in each other and they, they push each other to be, be their best on a day-to-day -day basis. The one of the more <clears throat> one of the more interesting relationships uh, with with Jimmy and uh, another fellow Heat players, him and Goran Dragic. Um, <laughs> seeing them in the locker room, I mean, probably, I mean, they're the probably the two best friends on the team. How did that relationship come about, and how did that bond become so strong? You know, I I'm actually kicking myself because I probably. I'm going to sound like a broken record here. And I, I used actually the line for Goran, for uh, Spo that you should probably use for Goran. So I'm going to say there, here's the second recreation. Goran, if, if Spo's one of the nicest people ever, then Goran's 1B. You know what I mean? Like if you've had a conversation for, for five, 10 seconds with him, you, you kind of get it. But um, Goran's that guy, like from the beginning of the season last year, you could see like 
he was just all about the team. Like this is a former all-star guy going into a contract year with obviously very clearly like great ability. You know, he led the team in scoring in the playoffs. I was more than willing to come off the bench and once say any word about it, had nothing and just like competed and competed his butt off, you know, and that's something that um, if you're a pretty observant person in the way, like, you know, I, I know like Jimmy to be, um, it's something you have to like point to and gravitate to, you know what I mean? Like he, he, he put, he put himself secondary to what the team need, filled his role to the best of his ability and just crushed it, you know, and like, you can't, you can't help, but, but really pull for somebody like that and have them earn a lot of your respect. The other guy that I definitely want to get into with you is bam, because it was very early on that Jimmy seemed to identify bam as someone he needed to empower that, you know, Bam was not a starter here. He was taking over for Hassan as the starting center. Clearly the Heat had a lot of belief in him, but I don't think any, even any Heat fan came into the season thinking Bam's going to be an all-star in his first season as a starter. But I felt like Jimmy felt that and that he was trying to, to pump him up until Bam felt the same way. Is that just Jimmy's style? And what did Bam, excuse me, what did Jimmy identify in Bam so early to the point that he was saying, I remember one presser after a game, he was saying Bam's the best player on this team. And everybody's like, well, no, he's not. It's Jimmy. <laughs> You're the guy they brought here to fix this thing. And yet we saw that the two of them end up being all-stars. And obviously this past week, Bam signs a five-year max, ex max extension. Yeah, no, I, I would tell you as an outsider <clears throat> for me, um, like I, anything that happened prior to Jimmy kind of getting here, it's like, you know, um, before Jimmy and then after Jimmy, right? So before Jimmy, it's like, cool, that was a great experience. Hope you had some, um, you know, good learning experiences kind of traveling through the NBA and everything. And now we're into the heart of it. You get to put all that to work. Um, with Bam, it was just like, um, I don't know how you couldn't have seen it, to be totally honest with you. Now looking back, you know what I mean? Like he's just, he works his butt off. Uh, the way the game has transitioned and changed now, the versatility that he has allows you uh, as a team to just do so much. Uh, and he's just, he's just so incredibly like competitive. So um, I don't think like when, when Jimmy says this stuff about him being the heart and soul of the team, um, you know, he's not blowing smoke, you know, he's not trying to pump anybody else up or anything like that. These are like, you know, acronyms that, that and, and um, you know, praise that, that BAM has earned. Like, if you think about it from, uh, you know, the, the way Jimmy kind of plays his game, um, it, it's, everything's predicated upon, uh, you know, an effort and defensive uh, standpoint, um, and then just playing unselfishly, right? And if that's the way, like, you look at the game and say, okay, this is the way we're going to have success, Bam's your guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that's him like to a T. So it's, it's interesting and, and awesome. Cause again, if you've, uh, you know, spent any time around Bam and, and uh, you know, his family and know his story, it's like, you, how can you not pull for this guy? You know what I mean? And like, so it's just, it's just really cool that it's, it's clicked as quickly as it has. And now they have, you know, a bunch of years to get everything they can out of the potential and, and the, uh, the platform that they've been given. It'd be really interesting to see where the two of them go together. Well, another guy that he took under his wing early is Tyler Hero. And uh, whereas he, it feels like he looks at Bam as a peer, it, it, there's a little brother relationship with Tyler Hero that's really interesting to see. Not to mention, not just Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero's little brother as well. Like he's like, it feels like he's adopted the entire Hero family. Um, really early, he was inviting uh, Tyler to Chicago to do workouts. How did that relationship develop and where do you see it going from here? You know, it's actually kind of interesting about that is you think about it because like, I don't know if anybody's, everybody talks about the big brother, little brother, like dynamic, but I don't know if anybody's asked Tyler, I'm pretty sure he thinks he's the big brother, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like that's just like, it's just the way like he carries him. So he carries himself. So it's interesting. Like I remember when, um, uh, in the summer, last summer, when, when Jimmy, uh, you know, began his workouts and, and was kind of, uh, settling into um, transitioning back to uh, coming to Miami before the start of the year. So like end of August last year, he had Tyler come and work out with him uh, for a couple of days uh, in Chicago and, and they were in Miami a little bit. And, you know, they, they spent, I want to say about five or six days. And really it was like set up in a way um, for Tyler just to see like, this is what work looks like, right? Like, so let's do this now away from everybody else and you can see it and then we're going to go back and we'll do it with everybody there. 
So it was really interesting because when I was in the baby bubble, Ethan, I ended up meeting uh, Tyler's father um, after one of the games in, in the hotel lobby. And he tells me the story of his perspective of what he saw from, from um, when, when Tyler was coming to do this with Jimmy. And he was saying to me, he was like, I remember Tyler called me one day and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here with Jimmy working out and you know, we're gonna go get something to eat. And his dad saying to him like, hey, are you sure? Because he, he doesn't know Jimmy from anybody. His kid's 19 years old, right? And uh, he'd only really like heard the stories, right? So he's saying like, as a father would say to his son, you know, hey, like, why don't you just stay in the room? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know this at all. And again, like Tyler's an awesome kid or whatever, but I said to, to Tyler's dad, uh, I was like, to be totally honest with you, like you probably should have flipped it around and been calling Jimmy and be like, hey, you sure? Like, <laughs> and, like big brother, little brother dynamic. Like it's, it's, it's interesting, but no, I it, it, like, Jimmy's not the type at all in any way, shape, or form to like, you know, try and take credit for anybody else's stuff. You know what I mean? Like he'll show you a path and then it's on you to go down that path. Tyler is a clear example of somebody that um, saw a path, took a path, advanced it, you know, and now he's probably going to do that for somebody else. And that's the way well, the end is supposed to work. You see him doing it with Precious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which 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 is interesting because Jimmy, you don't see Jimmy working out with Precious. You see Tyler grab Precious by his the back of his neck and said, "Hey, let's get in the gym." And yeah. I wonder if that's just you know if that's Jimmy rubbing off on Tyler. I mean, that's supposed to be the fraternity of the business that we work at, right? In the NBA, like this is the way, like when the the talent pool is supposed to empower each other. You know what I mean? And when it works well, and when you're in an environment like they are in in Miami, then that's it at its its best, right? So that's that's what's supposed to happen. So yeah, Tyler's Tyler's the big brother. Let's let's get the <laughs> truth out of the way. Boy Wonder is the big brother. I like that. All right, last one, last name I'm gonna give you, and then I just got one more question to ask, and we'll be out of here. We appreciate Bernie Lee uh joining us. Pat Riley, um, I think a lot of people were touched by that. Um, and I think one of the, by what we saw in the bubble and that little look that Jimmy gave up to Pat as he walked off the floor in a finals game, I think it was a finals game. Maybe it was a conference finals. They're all running together and might've been conference finals. And, you know, Pat kind of giving him the thumbs up and all that, because I don't know that Pat had that relationship necessarily with LeBron when he was here. I know he's had it with other players like magic and Patrick and some of the other guys, but it feels like there was a bond that developed there very quickly. And it was interesting to me to hear Pat say in his end of season presser, I love Jimmy. Um, because he hasn't said that about that many players down here. Why is that connection so strong so quickly? I think, um, you know, when, um, when, when I, I look at things from like Pat's perspective, um, I think Pat's been associated with the NBA for, I think it's about 53, 54 years. You know, he told me in the course of that time, like you'll sit with him if you ever like sit in his office and you, you like you relax a little bit and you start looking at the pictures on his wall, you're sitting in like the NBA Smithsonian, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh, like that's a picture with Ronald Reagan when you guys won a championship. That's pretty cool. Right. Like, so it's like, it's, it's living history. Right. So if you've been a part of a business for that period of time, you've literally seen everything. Right. And if you're a person that's seen everything, the number one thing you're not going to be able to do to a person that's seen everything is BS them in any single way. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think for him, what I've learned is, you know, the world can create a perception. Uh, he's going to look under the hood and see what's actually there. And he's going to identify really, really quickly, quickly what actually is there. Um, and if what is there is different than what the world perceives, he's not going to take the time to tell everybody that they were wrong, but he's not going to forget it either. Right. I think with Jimmy, like he's connected so quickly with Jimmy and had an appreciation for him because um, Jimmy might be one of the most consistent human beings walking planet earth. You know what I mean? Like, you know, exactly where you stand with him. You know exactly what you're going to get. And I think on a day-to-day -day basis, like he's lived through to all things that he's said. So I think in a way for Pat, there's an appreciation there. Uh, I think also there's an appreciation in, from the standpoint of Jimmy identifying of what the what the actual value of the heat organization is like they've worked for so long and it's been, you know, a life's work for, uh, I would say like the last half or third of, of Pat's career creating what this is in Miami. And 
you know, the years preceding Jimmy coming here were probably some down years in a way for Miami. And I think a lot of people um, maybe kind of doubted, you know, what they were doing or, you know, whatever it was like, it was just, it, it seemed like it was going a different way, but there was one person that um, had the ability to be a really kind of foundational member to have it go the other way that did see all the value, the value that they know to be there. And that's Jimmy. Right. And he made the choice. He came here. Um, and in a way, I, I think it just re-energized a, a large portion of the group. You know, they took them from not being in the middle and now you're back competing for the things that you want and you have an opportunity, you know, you have this thing to, to be able to, um, to build off of. So from Pat's standpoint, that's kind of what I see. I think from Jimmy's standpoint, like he, uh, he gravitates in the same way to, to the way that people that show authentic care, you know, like I, mm -hmm. if you're an employee of the heat um, and you have the uh, ability to, to watch Pat in any way, um, you see that he's going to treat Jimmy with the same amount of care that he'll treat like the equipment managers. And he probably has the same understanding of like what the value of that person's job is, whether it's Jimmy or whether it's, you know, the nutritionist or whether it's the, uh, you know, the equipment guy or whatever, like he gets it, you know, and he puts value on kind of every person. And I think for Jimmy, there's an appreciation there of that, of that consistency, because, you know, at the end of the day, like this is a, it's a very close knit business. You end up spending more time with the, people you work with in your family itself right so you're recreating that that kind of you know that kind of bubble for yourself all right i got one more question for bernie and then we're going to close this thing out before we do I want to tell you about another sponsor of the five reasons sports network that of course is biscayne bay brewing the official craft beer of inner miami the miami marlins and five reasons sports this is south florida's actual independent brewery owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. They're committed to this community. That's why they jumped on board with us because we're in this community at Five Reasons Sports so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff, whether it's Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, Tropical Bay, IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida or ask for it. It's the beer we're drinking at Five Reasons Sports. All right, last question. This is the most important question. Jimmy Butler just came off one of the most grueling runs in NBA history, <laughs> okay, uh, to get to the, not only to get to the finals, to do three months of a bubble, not even to get a haircut during that entire time. I know we just saw that happen uh, on, and I know the reason he didn't do it. We discussed that a little bit, uh, but he <laughs> went through all of that, had to be dragged off the floor. There's that, that iconic picture now of him sort of, you know, over the end board and, and Spolsha saying that's a picture of a champion before a champion. And now he's got to cycle this thing back basically in five or six weeks is Jimmy Butler ever going to allow anybody to load manage him ever? Is that ever going to happen, Bernie? General soreness. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> no, it's happened already. There's a meme. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I, what I would say to you is, um, look, if you're on planet earth right now, the last nine to 10 months of your life have been highly, highly impacted. Right. And, um, kind of outlining like the sacrifice of uh, somebody that's in a position to do this. It's like, it's, it's, it's not apples to apples with what's going on in the world right now. Right. So in terms of a business, like everybody's going to have to, has had to sacrifice and has had to do things that are outside their comfort zone and everything like that. And I don't think that, um, you know, Jimmy's kind of any different. Like, I think he's um, shown himself to be the person that, once you tell him what circumstances are and the rules, he's going to figure out a way to kind of succeed and, and kind of thrive in it. So it was interesting. Like I remember when all the plans were coming up, um, it kind of like, it was revealed to us kind of out of nowhere that um, the conversation was that we're probably going to have to think about coming back a little bit earlier than what had been discussed. So I think it was maybe like eight, nine days um, out of the bubble. Um, I first heard the conversation of, you know, it's highly likely that the, the league's going to have to resume somewhere in the beginning of December. So um, I remember like the first thought that I had was having to have a conversation uh, with Jimmy to let him know, like the one haircut that he made might, got a couple of days before might last until the start of the next season. Um, so I just wanted to call and like give him a heads up. So I, I remember I called him and, told him like this is what they were thinking and you know all like that stuff and I remember like he he was kind of quiet 
And then uh, he said to me, he was like, um, you know, what do you think the likelihood of this is going to be of happening, right? And we kind of went through a little bit of the math of the league. And I, I said to him, like, I, I think it's pretty likely. And he kind of like just exhaled for a second on the phone. <laughs> he got quiet to the point where I thought maybe like the call disconnected. And he said to me, he was like, huh, all right, can you get the heat to send me four balls tomorrow? <laughs> and that was it. So it's like, it's, it's his mentality, you know, like there's going to be like some things, I think for all of us, like we, we so have fatigue over everything that's kind of happened in the way, like our lives have been impacted, but we do have to be mindful of, you know, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be some need for adaptability as we kind of work through these things, you know, and it'd be interesting to see what it actually looks like in practice. Um, but yeah, you tell him what he's got to do. You give him the circumstances. You give him a little bit of time to figure out the puzzle. And more often than not, he's figured out the puzzle. So we'll, we'll see what he does with this. They sent him the four balls right away. Oh, man, they had them there by like eight o'clock that night. It's the heat. <laughs> they probably had somebody waiting outside his like fence be like, we thought you would ask for these. Like, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. <laughs> they said well, eight. That's what they really they yeah, said. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right, well, for general soreness, he'll definitely need them. Uh, Bernie, we appreciate it. Uh, people are going to be working on memes. Like probably there'll be new memes by the time that this thing, everybody listens to this. So this is a 45 minute episode. By the time it's over with, there will be new memes. Uh, be safe up there in Toronto. Uh, we'll see We'll see you down the road. And, and Bernie, we really appreciate it. Thank you. And again, just remember what I asked. Okay. So one, I said, Hey, I love the memes or everything. Two, I'm trying to find the person that knows how to monetize them. So do also come my way with that. I'm leaving sports uh, journalism of all kinds once you bring me on board on that business. Thanks, Bernie. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.